Dale, I don't know if this is working, but let's just advance. Go ahead and advance the slide. Okay. Last uh, couple weeks, I've talked about preparing to start out a new year with a reset and to make a, a purpose in your heart to go deeper in the Lord. The, the word deeper is the word that was resonating in my heart as I prayed and felt like the Lord was speaking that over us as a congregation, as a church family. So I wanted to ask you this morning, here we are two weeks into the year, how is your deeper going? We have, we've talked about going deeper in the Word of God. We've talked about using some of the Bible apps that are available. One of my favorites is Daily Audio Bible, because Brooke and I get up in the morning and, and turn, out, turn on Brian, and Brian reads the Scripture to us, and we can read along if we want, or, but we just love to sit over our coffee and listen to the Word of God wash over us. And, of course, we've been in Genesis and Matthew, and it's been very powerful. And if you have a 15, 20 minutes in the morning while you eat breakfast or drink coffee, some of us, that's the same thing, um, try the Daily Audio Bible. It's a free app, and it's wonderful. And Brian is very fun to listen to, and he always shares a few things afterwards, and you can turn it off after the reading of Scripture or li listen to his comments. He has some really good things to say. And again, also I recommend reading plans. The YouVersion app has got hundreds of reading plans to choose from. And I know many of you are already doing that because I'm friends with many of you on the YouVersion app. And we've been doing some of the reading plans together along with some believers and other churches in our community, which is really fun because it, has, it gives us a sense of the fact that we're all part of the body, the, the broader body of Christ. Then I talked about going deeper in our prayer life. This last week we had a week of prayer, and hopefully you were able to follow along. There were little videos on Facebook every day for each of the topics. And uh, we've also encouraged you to join with our leadership in fasting one meal a week. How many of you could think you could handle one meal a week? Some of you. Some of us need to fast a meal a week. And it doesn't have to be a meal either. Some of us need to fast social media, except for our Bible app. Some of us need to fast coffee or chocolate or desserts or something. But to take time and deprive yourself of something which creates a vacuum that you can fill with prayer to go to the Lord. Fasting without praying is basically just depriving yourself. But if we take and we fast something and we fill that with communing, with communing with God and bringing those things on His heart to Him in prayer. That's a very powerful thing, and it transforms us also. And then finally, uh, we also have talked about going deeper in relationships, talked about the redwood tree, hundreds of feet tall, and yet their roots only go down six feet. How do they keep standing in a storm? Anybody remember? Their roots go out up to 100 feet, and they interconnect and intertwine with all the roots of the trees around them. Remember, I, we talked about how if you cut down redwood trees and leave a tree alone, what's going to happen to that tree? It's going to be blown over because it lost the strength of its friends. And I pray that 2019 for you 
is one of building relationships with people who will help you to stand in the times of trial. Are we ready for the second offering, Bob? Okay, this is the benevolence offering. Monies will go into our benevolence fund and help with some of these needs that have come up recently. This morning, I want to talk about Jesus as our trail breaker. And you can just keep moving through the slides, Dale. Keep going. There we go. Following Jesus as our trail breaker. Now, my wife and I lived in Lake Tahoe when we were first married. No, we were not millionaires. We lived in Lake Tahoe. I was a carpenter, did home repairs and remodeling. And um, that's where we had all three of our boys were born in Lake Tahoe and that, while we were living there. And one winter, we got 27 feet of snow. We got 14 feet in two weeks. And I had a snow removal business on the side. I was working for a roofing company, but, of course, when it snowed like that, we weren't doing much roof except leak repair. But crazy place to do roof work, huh? The summers are beautiful. But it was crazy. Everybody and their brother had a snow removal business when it snowed 14 feet because you can guess if you have a sliding door in your home and you can't open it because of the weight on the roof pressing down on the door frames. That's the way it was. There were three or four houses that collapsed in that storm. And so people knew, I've got to get the snow off my house. And if you're unable to do that yourself, you have to hire people to do that. So I had a crew of about 10 guys at one point, And we actually had to hire a loader to come remove the snow that we shoveled off the roof because it was 13 feet deep on the, all around the house. So I didn't make any money in that job at all because all of it went to the loader operator. But the point is, is that when you get that kind of snow and you have to go somewhere, like go out your door to your car, if your car is parked on the street, you've got to break trail. Go ahead to the next slide, Dale. You've got to stomp through the deep snow. How many of you know the energy it takes and it bur the calories it burns to break trail in deep snow? How many of you guys have ever snowshoed? Anybody snowshoed? There's a few people. And um, snowshoeing is amazing, but it takes calories. It really does. My son Noah and I, uh, he's the one that died in a car accident 10 years ago. But when he was a Boy Scout, we went on an outing to Mount Rainier. We went on a snow caving scouting expedition. And we, well, there was about 20 boys and five or six adults. And we dug caves into a hillside that had 15 feet of packed snow on it. And we dug caves probably 10 feet in and about four or five feet tall. And we spent the night in those caves. And my son Noah did not dress correctly. As his dad, I should have been more careful to make sure he had wool socks. He didn't have wool socks on. And he got his feet wet. So in the middle of the night, around four in the morning, he's awake, weeping, crying. And he woke me up. We're, we're sleeping on an ice shelf, a snow shelf, and um, it was really scary. In the middle of the night, the ceiling went whoop, and it came down about three inches. You can imagine that. <laughs> we, thought we were, thought it was all over, but it didn't go anymore. So in the morning at about 6 a.m., I got Noah out. I got the wet socks off his feet. I rubbed his feet. I put some dry socks on him. He was just a, he was 13, and he was just a mess. Actually, he was 11. He was 11. He was a new Boy Scout. He was a 
tenderfoot. And um, I put my snowshoes on. I put my pack on. I picked up Noah. I had his backpack on one shoulder to hold it to. And I had to go about 150 yards at a very steep uphill through two feet of fresh snow to get to the berm that was 20 feet high over into the parking lot. Because on the other end of that parking lot was a, a little restroom that had those little push-button wall heaters that you could warm up with. So I grabbed my son, who was worthless as far as trying to walk himself. He couldn't do anything. He was just a mess. He was, he was on the early stages of hypothermia. And I, I kind of carried him and just started trudging through the snow, breaking through the snow, breaking trail. And I finally got to that berm and, and managed to climb up it and haul him over it. And right when we got down onto the pavement, a snowplow came by, saw us, and gave us a ride about 600 yards over to the restroom. And I got my son in there, got him in that bathroom, started hitting that blower, and the heat started warming him up. All the skin came off of his feet, most of the skin came off of his feet. He, he was that close to losing some of his toes and stuff. But I learned what it means to break trail. And this morning as we read the scripture, we see that Jesus breaks the trail for us. He, he breaks the path. He goes before us and he shows us how to walk. And he calls us to walk in his steps. That's what you do if you're, if you're going down and you're breaking a trail. Everybody has to go single file in a snow if you're, if you're doing like cross-country skiing or snowshoeing, you have to follow in the same path or else you're all doing the work of the guy in the front. So I want to read some scriptures. Um, on this, this verse here in 1, 1 Peter 2 is so powerful. How many of you are old enough to remember a book called In His Steps? Some of us do. It was written, I think, back in the... 40s, I'm guessing. And it's a very powerful book. It revolutionized the church in America in, in a very large degree. And uh, I encourage you to read it someday. It's still as relevant today as it, it was when the day it was written. But the point of the book was that Jesus calls us to follow in his steps, to do the things that he did. And in fact, he's actually a pattern or a template for our Christian lives. You want to know what a Christian life should look like, read the life of Jesus in the Gospels, and you'll see the things he does lay an example, set an example for us. So in 1 Peter, Peter says, and Peter was an a eyewitness of everything Jesus did. He said, for to, to this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. Some versions say follow in his steps. So do you believe me this morning when, you, when I say that Jesus calls us, you and me, to follow in his steps? Now that means, does that mean, let me ask you a question, does that mean I can choose my own path and go my own way as a believer? Now, as I said earlier, I quoted from 2 Corinthians, I think it's chapter 5, Paul says, my life is not my own, for I have been purchased or bought with a price. Therefore, I'm to glorify God with, in my body. So let's take a look at some of the steps that Jesus took. Let's try this again, Dale. 
Nope, you'll have to do it. So why don't you get your Bibles out? I'm not going to put all the scriptures up for you today. Get your Bible and your Bible apps out. And um, I'd love to have somebody stand up and read the first one. Matthew 3, 13 through 17. So let's see who gets there. Put your hand up if you get there. Matthew 3, 13 through 17. Got it, Bob? Working on it? Okay, would you stand up, Bob, and read it nice and loud? Matthew 3, 13 through 17. Amen. Thank you, Bob. So what did Jesus do first before he did anything in his ministry? He got water baptized. Now, what do you have to do in order to be water baptized? What has to happen before you get water baptized? hearing murmurs, but I got poor hearing, so you got to talk loud. Yes. Francisco said repent. Repent and believe. Okay? Repent and believe. What does repent mean? It's not a word we use every day. Yeah, it means to turn away from one thing and turn towards a new thing. Okay? It's 180 degree turning away from something and towards something else. It means that you've decided that you're no longer going to walk your own life, do your own thing, live a life self-centered and self-directed, but that you choose to put your trust in Jesus. That's the believe part. And start following him as a child of God. And the first thing that he commands us to do is to be baptized, be water baptized. And we had two baptisms here, water baptisms, this last year, and we baptized about 13 people. But there's still a list of about another five or six, seven that I know of that want to be baptized again. So we're planning to have another baptism, I think, in May, late May maybe. So um, if you have not been water baptized, what do you need to do? Get on the list, right? If you have questions and concerns and you're wondering about what it means to be baptized, let's talk about it. I'm sure Francisco, Sarah, Brooke, Bob. Any of our leaders are probably well able, Rosie, Johnny, whoever, explain what water baptism means. And, uh, but Jesus calls us to follow in his steps. And the first step after believing, repenting and believing, is to be water baptized. Now let me ask you guys, who I'm sure there are scholars among you, 
Why did Jesus need to be baptized? Any ideas? Yeah, there's a good point right there to give us an example. He's showing us a pattern, a template of how to walk in a relationship with God. He also mentioned that to do this would somehow fulfill all righteousness. I'm not sure what that means. If you have ideas, please let me know. I appreciate it. Okay. This, I want to read um, Luke um, 4. And this is right after what Bob concluded. Jesus has just been baptized. The, oh, I forgot. I got to cover the second point here. In verse 16, after Jesus is water baptized, what happened? He received the Holy Spirit. Actually, it says the Holy Spirit fell or came upon him, right? It wasn't just that he received the Holy Spirit, but he was empowered by the Holy Spirit. We use the word baptism for that filling of the Holy Spirit, where the Holy Spirit comes upon us to empower us. Now, we already know that as a believer, we have the Holy Spirit indwelling us, and that should be causing the fruit of the Spirit or the character of of God to become expressed in our lives, right? If you've got a Christian who says he's a Christian, but he doesn't live like, he, he, he says he follows Christ, but he lives like the devil, what do you think? Does he have the Spirit of God in him? Doesn't look like it, does it? And Jesus said, you'll know them by their fruits. So that'll tell you whether you should believe somebody. Um, my lovely wife had somebody approach her on Facebook and say that they were John Piper, who's a famous pastor, and, uh, and she, she said, so she said, hi, and he said, how are you today? <laughs> and she said, this isn't John Piper. She could tell right away by his fruits who, if he was authentic or not. So after we are water baptized, we need to ask God to fill us with his Holy Spirit, to baptize us, which means to immerse with the Holy Spirit, so that we have the power we need to do the things God calls us to do. You'd be pretty frustrated, wouldn't you, if somebody asked you to cut ten cords of wood in one day and all you had was a handsaw. If they gave you a chainsaw, that would change everything, wouldn't it? Well, God wants to give you His power tools. He wants to give you the power of the Holy Spirit and make available to you the gifts of the Holy Spirit, which we'll be talking more in detail in later this year, because he wants you to be able to do the works of Jesus in this world, in the world you live in. I just read a wonderful story about a, a young man who's a missionary, and he went to India with his team, and they, met, they, went, they went way out in the middle of nowhere, and they, they came upon a village of 400 people. And so he started asking and said, are there any Christians in this village? And there was one man who was a Christian in this village. And so um, he said, he asked that man, who is the sickest person in this village? And they took him to an old man who had a horrible disease. They prayed for him in Jesus' name, and the man was healed completely. Then the whole village came and wanted to hear what they had to say. They set up a speaker on top of their old beat-up van, and they preached Jesus and preached the gospel. They also went around and prayed for a whole bunch more people that got healed and delivered. And when they preached the gospel, the whole village accepted Christ. 
And the whole village then was baptized in the Holy Spirit. And then the people in that village said, well, we want to have an expression of Christian community. So they started a church in the village. Guess who they made the pastor? The only guy who was a Christian before they got there. And now they're supporting this man as he pastors a group of 400 people. God's still doing this kind of stuff, folks. He wants to do amazing things in and through us, but we have to be willing to follow in the steps of Jesus. Some of you this morning need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. You, you know you have the Holy Spirit in you, but you, don't know, you know you're not walking in the power that God wants you to walk in. And it, it's an awesome thing, and, and I believe that some of you, God's going to answer that prayer because you've been praying about that for a long time. We're going to have prayer people up here to pray for you at the end of the service. And if you need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit and want to experience God's power in that powerful way or get refilled up again because we leak, then I encourage you to come up for prayer in a little bit. Luke 4, 1 and 2. Then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, right? Francisco, he just got filled. So now he's full of the Holy Spirit. Returned from the Jordan River. That's where he went to get baptized. This is Luke 4, 1 and 2. He was led by the Spirit. There's that Spirit again. He was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Now, hold on here. Do you mean God's going to lead me into a desert place? Maria, really? Does God do that to us? <laughs> and in the desert, he was tempted by the devil for 40 days. Jesus ate nothing all that time and became very hungry. In Mark 1.12, it says the Holy Spirit compelled him or drove him into the wilderness. So if the first step is to believe, the second step is to be water baptized, the third step is to be filled with the Holy Spirit and empowered. I'm going to throw a fourth step in. You may not have noticed a fourth step. Jesus was tempted, but before the devil came, he fasted and prayed. He set himself apart so that God would give him the strength he needed to deal with the temptations that came. It says that he fasted 40 days. Fasting for preparation. We don't fast to impress God, do we? We fast because we need it. We fast because it helps break the power of our flesh in our lives. Paul talks about how we should not let anything master us. And when we let our flesh, our appetites, master us and dictate where we go and what we do and what we focus on and everything, this thing, food channel, right? A million of those. But when we let those things fill our vision, the enemy doesn't even need to tempt us. We're already given over to the things of this world. But when we set our hearts and our will to follow the Lord with all of our heart, then we, we've got to do some fasting in order to stand because we're going to be tested. We're going to deal with trials and we're going to deal with suffering. So I'm going to move on now to Matthew 4. I'm not going to go into the temptations individually. I'm going to do that another, on another day. 
because that's total message or three messages in themselves. But I'm going to read this. Matthew 4, starting in verse 1. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit, and we read that in Mark, the word is driven or compelled, into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterwards he was hungry. Notice the devil didn't come to him until he had prepared himself. He'd already done his fasting and praying. He was ready. Does that make a difference? Then Jesus said to the devil in verse 10, I skipped ahead now, past the temptations, the three temptations. Verse 10, Jesus said after that, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him. And behold, angels came and ministered to him. After you've gone through temptation, after you've set yourself apart and prepared yourself and gone through temptation, guess what? God gives you seasons of refreshing. It says that in Acts chapter 2 or 3. Seasons of refreshing in the presence of the Lord. One of the best things I like about trials and temptations is that they don't last forever. They are temporary. And if you can remember that the next time you're being tempted, this is going to be over soon, hopefully soon. That will help you get through it and stand. So number five, if we if believe is number one, repent and believe. Two is be water baptized. Three is be filled with the Holy Spirit. Four is to learn to deny yourself and take up your cross and prepare yourself, including fasting. Five is in, learn to endure testing by the enemy, by the flesh, by the world. Those are our, the three things that will bring temp temptation and testing to us. I'm going to read a few verses to help us understand why suffering, why temptation, why did Jesus have to be tempted? Sometimes we don't even know what we're capable of capable of until we've been tested, right? When you get it, when you have a test or an exam in school, is that to prove you're a good person or a bad person? Sometimes we feel like it, isn't it? No, it's, it's to demonstrate what you've learned, if you've learned it or not. Testings come for us to help us move up, to be able to see that we have where we are at, and to know what's next and what we need to grow into. They show us our deficiencies, but they also show us how strong we are. James 1, 2 through 4. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Joy. Why? Read the next verse. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. You want to be strong? If you, if you want to be physically strong, what do you have to do? You've got to work out, right? You've got to exercise those muscles. You want to be physically strong. If you want to be spiritually strong, you have to exercise spiritual muscles. 
And that's what testing and temptations do. Remember, God never tempts you because temptation is what the devil does to get you to fall. God tests you so that you will learn to stand. The opposite of that. Then James says in verse 4, So let it grow, your endurance. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Don't you wish there was a shortcut to perfect and complete? I could just be there. Unfortunately, that's not the way it works, is it? That's like saying to your little two-year-old, I want you to be 35 now. Sorry, you've got to go through an awful lot of trials and temptations first. But you'll eventually get there if you stay with it. I'll read a couple other verses. I'm going to skip through some of them. They're all so powerful. They're on the screen there, and, and I didn't make notes for you today because I just we had a, a conference Monday through Wednesday and just didn't have enough time to do some things. First Peter 4.1. So then, since Christ suffered physical pain, you must arm yourselves with the same attitude he had and be ready to suffer too. For if you have finished, if you have suffered physically for Christ, you have finished with sin. What did I just say? If you suffer for Christ, what, the, what happens to the power of sin in your life? It goes down. Have any of you experienced that when you've been through trials and temptations, that some of those areas that you struggled with in sin lose their power? I know that because I was in bondage to pornography for years when I was a young man. Pornography does not have the power over me it once did. Not nothing like that. I thank God for that. But it's been through some testings and trials to experience that. Later on, Peter says in chapter 4, verses 12 and 13, Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you're going through, as if something strange were happening to you. Now, really, for most of us, it would be, don't be surprised if one of these days you experience some fiery trials. Now, I know we, do, we, we experience trials in a lot of ways, but we don't experience a whole lot of persecution in this country yet. Y-E-T, Right? How many of you know that that day is coming? It is. It's coming. The Supreme Court right now, um, in the next few years, is probably going to overturn some of the tax advantages that pastors and churches have. They're in the process. They're all being challenged in the Supreme Courts throughout the states of this country. It's only a matter of time when they finally remove a lot of those things because their reasoning is, is why should Christians or pastors have any, any benefit over any other person in this country? So it's, it's, it's really just a matter of when, not if. So Peter tells us, arm yourselves with the same attitude that says, Lord, if I have to suffer, I'll suffer. Whatever it is got to go through, I'll go through it in your strength. And because of your strength, I can endure whatever comes. We know that he says, no temptation has taken you, such as common to man, but God will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able to endure. But will, with the temptation, make a way of escape that you can be able to bear it 
or bear up under it. That's such a great promise to have. The only problem is sometimes we think God must really think I can handle a lot. <laughs> okay, first, last one here, or actually two verses I'm going to finish. 1 Peter 5.10. In His kindness, God called you to share in His eternal glory by means of Christ Jesus. So after you have suffered a little while, remember that temporary? A little while. He will restore, support, and strengthen you. Can you say that? Restore, support, and strengthen me. How many of you like that? That's a good verse, that second half. But he says we've got to be willing to suffer a little while first before that happens. And he will place you on a firm foundation. Wow, what a great promise. So, What's the last step in this pattern, this template that Jesus gives us for following him? We've talked about repenting and believing. We've talked about being water baptized. We've talked about being baptized or filled with the Holy Spirit so we could be empowered to do the works of Jesus Christ in our, in our nation, in our land, in our community. We've talked about setting ourselves apart for prep, 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 preparation learning to deny ourselves and take up our cross, including things like fasting. Then we talked about being tested and tempted, including suffering for the Lord. The last step is the one I like the best. Number six, we read in uh, the end of Matthew chapter 4, in the beginning of Luke, Luke 4.14. Then Jesus returned to Galilee after the devil left him, filled with the Holy Spirit's power, and the reports about him spread quickly throughout the whole region. Step six is once we are filled and we've gone through the testing, that God will begin to work through us in power to meet the needs of other people and to draw people to him. God wants to use you and me. I'm the guy that's kind of in the sheep shed, right? My gifting is in the church primarily, although he calls all of us to be witnesses. But there are many of you sitting in front of me that are called to be workers in the marketplace. You're called to be salt and light in our city, on our trains, in our fields, in the jail. Wherever God has placed you, can you say this, I am a minister? I am a minister. You see, the word minister doesn't mean you have to go to Bible college and get your certificate and this and that and be ordained. No. The word minister is a word that really means to serve or to do something for the benefit of someone else. The word deacon is from the Greek word that means minister. Bob, you're a minister. Rosie, you're a minister. But all of us are called to be empowered ministers for Jesus. doesn't matter how new we are as believers or how old or how strong or how weak. We are called to be filled with His Spirit and to go through our testings and to learn how to walk in the power of of the Holy Spirit towards those who don't know the Lord and those who do. 
in our community. So this morning as I close, how are you doing? Dale, go ahead and go through this. Is there another slide? Yeah. How can we be trusted with power if we haven't been tested? Go ahead to the next slide, Dale. There's step six. Be filled with the power to be able to minister to others. And go to the next one. So Jesus, our trail breaker, he's going before me. He's walking beside me. And he's following me, protecting my backside. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2 says that Jesus is the author and the finisher of my faith, of your faith, right? So he's the trail breaker, and he's the one who follows me. He's my rear guard, and he's the one who is with me, with you. Go ahead, the next one. So how are you doing with keeping in step this morning? Are you missing any of these steps? Have you made him your Lord and Savior today? Have you repented and believed in him and trusted him? If not, today's a great day to do that. Start your walk with God. But if you've done that, if you've followed him in obedience to be water baptized, because if you haven't, you need to take that up with God because you need, to, you need to follow Jesus. He calls you to be water baptized. Secondly, or third, if, if you've been baptized or if you've made him your Lord even before you're water baptized, you can receive prayer to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Maybe you've leaked it and you need to be refilled. We do. We really do leak. It happens to me all the time. I have to be here to pray a lot. This morning, again, we'll have people up here in the front to pray for you in a moment. How are you doing with um, thriving in difficult times? How are you doing with fasting? How are you doing in taking up your cross, denying yourself and taking up your cross? Have you really made up your mind that Jesus is the boss of your life? Or are you just trying to enjoy the benefits of believing him and do your own life on the side? That doesn't work too well, does it? That'll make people miserable. And plus, you're going to have to stand before the Lord to account one of these days for not being wholehearted. What does he say he does with people who are lukewarm? Mm-hmm. Yeah, not a good thing. So really, this Thriving in Difficult Times class might be where some of you need to be. It won't hurt to join us. You can even watch the previous video sessions. And then last of all, God, if God has empowered you and you're following him and you're not being fruitful through serving and involved in ministry, come talk to us. We have about 10 different ministry teams, and we'd love to have you be a part of one in some way. There's everything from A to Z, and they'll all work with whatever spiritual gifts, experience, and passions that you have. All right. Jesus, you've called us to follow you in your steps. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word. Lord, I know that some people here needed to hear this today, needed to be either reminded or needed to realize that I need to take that next step. Father, I pray you'd give them the strength and courage to step up and do that step, whether it's getting water baptized, or making you Lord of their lives, or embracing the testing that's coming and preparing for that by choosing to deny themselves and take up their cross and follow you. And some of them, Lord, need to take that step of stepping out and being involved in serving and ministry. 
I pray you would speak to each one of us what our, what our role is to do today. And I just thank you that you give us the power by your spirit to do those things that you ask us to do. And I ask that you bless and strengthen your people and strengthen Calvary. We thank you for a great 2018. And, Lord, we're excited what you have ahead for this year. We thank you, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Prayer people, come on up here. Those that are 